so grateful to you, Lord. Um, Lord, that one, we're here today. God, that we're on the other side of what was a scary incident, Lord, yesterday. And God, we just give you the praise. We give you the thanks, Lord, for coming through. Uh, Lord, no matter what, Lord, we would praise you, but Lord, it's a, it's a great outcome. And we just pray that you continue being with the situation. God, be with Kristen, be with Aaron, be with the entire Malachuk family um, as they come out of this and Lord just be with um, just everyone's emotions Lord uh, and that something great comes out of this um, Lord that she's healthy that's 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 great but we just something else Lord and we thank you we praise you and God as we go into this next hour for Sunday school we just pray that you would help us uh, be attentive and God that uh, Amen. I would also ask you to just keep in prayer different families in the church. There's a few families who are dealing with uh, the COVID situation again, as we seem to be going through this Omicron phase. There's been a, I haven't heard of any severe cases at all, but there are uh, a few people that just let me know they wouldn't be here today, things like that. So just continue to pray for the overall health and well-being of the church. I think uh, Cal had a pretty intense case last week, but he's doing, uh, he's doing better now, huh? So... Just they're just do, filling out the full quarantine, so I'm sure you all appreciate that as well. So, we, Lord willing, we'll see them this uh, this coming week as well. All right. Well, what I want to do this morning is kind of wrap up. If you remember, we've spent uh, a couple of weeks. They were interrupted weeks, but we spent a couple of weeks thinking about the supernatural realm. And last week we spoke about uh, demonic forces. A few weeks before, my dad brought a lesson about the angels, and, and having a biblical understanding of <clears throat> both the angels and the demons, that they're, they're real, and there are real supernatural forces at work. So what I'd like for us to do this morning, then, is kind of finish this <clears throat> with a discussion of, okay, so I understand that there's a cosmic unseen realm that I can't see that's very much at work, so how do I figure into this, then? What part do I play in this spiritual warfare between uh, the angelic armies of God and the evil forces of the devil, what part do I play? So I'd ask you to take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 this morning. I don't have a handout for this, but I, I am following a series of a, a, a a set of notes. So if you'd like to take some notes, I'd encourage you to do that. And so we're thinking about this spiritual warfare, the fact that we live in a seen realm, but we also live amongst an unseen realm. And so what place do we have in this spiritual battle that's going on? So as I said, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, let's see what the Apostle Paul says about this. In 2 Corinthians 10, in verse number three, for though we walk in the, what's the word? So if we're talking about a seen realm and an unseen realm, that first statement would be which realm? It's the seen realm. And he's saying, this is where we walk. This is where we live. We live in this realm that we can see, that we can feel, that we, um, that, that we perceive with our senses. <clears throat> However, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after 
the flesh. Now, he introduces this idea of warfare. He says there's a war that's going on. Now, we're not speaking about a fleshly battle. He's saying, so this is exactly his point. Christian people are not a people who take up arms and go to war for their, for their cause. That's not what we do. We don't take up physical arms and go to battle against uh, those that disagree with us. That's not what the Christian message is about. In fact, the Christian message is the opposite. It's to what should be our attitude toward our enemies? Love our enemies, our human enemies. However, the spirit realm, the unseen realm, those enemies we're not called to love, but we are called to go to war against them. You see, because these, the, the forces in last week's lesson when we talked about this idea of the battle between, uh, be, between Satan and God Almighty has been raging since the Garden of Eden. And as that has taken place, we are players in this conflict. And so he says here in this, in this passage, we do not war after the flesh. So, you know, we don't, we, again, that, that's important. We, we're not supposed to be involved in any kind of physical warfare. And Christians have got that wrong over the years, right? You can go back in history and you can see times when supposedly in the name of Christ, people took up, uh, they raised armies and they waged war. The scripture here says that's not what we do. For the weapons, now in verse number four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It means they're not physical. They're not of the body. They're not of the seen realm. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, is fulfilled. Now, what I want to say is I want to just open with a couple of, uh, a couple of thoughts for us as we think about spiritual warfare. And in fact, well, let me just ask you, we sometimes do discussion here, when, when you talk about spiritual warfare, maybe you've done some reading or you've been, you've been taught some things in the past, like, what comes to mind when, when we talk about spiritual warfare? What, uh, to you, anybody, what, uh, what comes to mind as we, as we talk or we think about that? Yeah, Adam? Okay. Okay, so that everything becomes spiritual warfare. That that does happen. There are people that you know. I had a, I got a hangnail, and that's the spirit of hangnail afflicting me. Right? I mean, I've been exposed to that kind of thought. Right? Like, and uh, so yeah, so that everything now in our lives becomes spiritual warfare. When, when in reality, sometimes it's it's just a fact of life. Um, or sometimes we go into situations, we're going through difficulty, and people will say, oh, the devil is afflicting me, when in reality, we made choices that we are living out their consequences. So, But then I've also experienced people that, so, so for, for some, everything becomes a spiritual warfare, but then for others, nothing is spiritual warfare, right? And that's not the truth either. But what else maybe comes to your mind when you, uh, when you think about spiritual warfare? You've heard that. 
Yeah. Okay, well, I think that would actually be an excellent example of real spiritual warfare. That the dev- I think that's one of the avenues the devil uses, and we'll talk about that, to say that, yeah, this is who I used to be before I became a believer, and now the temptations are coming, and the temptations are trying to draw me back into what I was. Yeah. What about <clears throat> some worldly, maybe, views toward things like spiritual warfare, like that I was thinking that, right? Like thinking of like very supernatural experiences, right? Like exorc- ghosts and exorcisms and demon possession and all of that. Now, is there a reality to, to those things? <clears throat> of course there is. However, one of the things I wanted to encourage us to think about just as a couple of notes this morning, one, and these are introductory notes, one is we need to avoid sensationalism, okay? Avoid sensationalism. There's a temptation to, to focus on the, 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 the very sensational. Now, part of that is because we spoke about this a little bit last week. When you read the New Testament, especially when you read the Gospels and the, and the, the, the life of the apostles, you find very intense spiritual warfare happening. You find demonic, everywhere Jesus would go, you would, he would encounter demons and all of this. And so what happens is just like the miracles, some people try to, they, they, they start looking for that everywhere, right? They, they start looking for gospel the account or book of Acts experiences everywhere they go. And what happens is they focus on the sensational and they look for the sensational, but while doing that, sometimes they're neglecting what the typical battle plan of the devil is. We'll get to that in just a minute. So if we're so focused on, I've known people that, I've known people that got a hold of some teaching that isn't biblical teaching, but they got, out, they got a hold of some, some teaching that there was a stronghold in their life. And I knew one lady who, she just got under this teaching on spiritual warfare, that there was some spiritual stronghold in her home. And so she was instructed that she needed to go to all the windows of her home, open those windows, and in the name of Jesus, rebuke the spirits and tell them to leave her house, right? That's what I'm referring to as the sensational. You're not going to find, that's not the typical New Testament pattern that we're instructed to follow. And I think that can actually become a distraction from how we're supposed to engage in spiritual warfare. So the supernatural manifestations, while they can happen, and they do happen, they are atypical. So we're not instructed as a church to pray against, uh, in the New Testament, we're not instructed to pray against specific demons, perform. We're not given positive instruction on performing exorcisms and those kinds of things. It's not scriptural to pray specifically for binding of demons. None of that is. All this popular Christian uh, teaching that's out there is not really found in the Bible. So on the one hand, I'd encourage you to avoid the sensational, but then on the other hand, avoid a skeptical outlook as well, right? So I'm, I'm, being, I'm trying to be a, you know, to come strongly against each position. It's wrong to over-sensationalize everything, but it's also wrong to be overly skeptical because as we've looked at in the previous weeks, the unseen realm, the demonic host, is real. It's real. And so I do think that there is, um, there, there are 
warnings and there are things that we ought to be very on guard against, occultic practices, occultic entertainment, occultic holidays, occultic movies, things like that that can be a door to a very real satanic realm. And so on the one hand, we, don't, we shouldn't be sensational. On the other hand, we shouldn't be like, oh, well, that's all make-believe. No, there's a reality to it. So with that being said, I think the biggest lesson for us to come away with in this passage is this. Well, the truth is what we should do then is we should simply focus on fighting biblically. Fighting biblically. Look here with me again at the passage. And I think all of you know, and we'll look at it in a few minutes, there's, there are more passages that speak about this as well. So, look here at our passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We saw the setup here that we have a, we're engaged in warfare. Verse number 3, we're in a, a fleshly physical body, but our warfare is not fleshly and, and physical. It says in verse number four that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, verse five, casting down imaginations. You'll notice this is one really long sentence. Did you pick that up? The verses break, but the sentence doesn't end. So, and there's this, all of verse number four is in what? All of verse number four is in what? It's in the entire parenthia, parenthia parenthetical verse. He says in verse number, we do not war after the flesh. So in other words, the thought is interrupted with the parenthetical. So if we wanted to understand the full thrust, let's put our grammar skills to the test. If we wanted to understand the full thrust of this scripture, where would we have to, what, what would, how would we read it? Somebody help us out. How would we read it? If we want to get the full focus. Yep. Yep. But there's, there's, we're going to pull the parenthetical out, is what I'm getting at. We're going to take the parentheses, which is verse number four. All of verse number four is in parentheses. So we, we're not saying it's not important, but we're saying to get the thrust of the passage, we're going to take the parentheses, we're going to set verse four aside, we're going to read verse three, and then we're going to read what? Right to five, because that's the main thought. He says in verse three, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So based on that, help me out here, where is the primary place of spiritual warfare? Where is the primary place that it, that it takes shape? I see you guys are all doing the same thing. You're giving me the, the signal. Yep. Yeah. It happens in the mind. And we see that with the word what? Imaginations. Imaginations. It's interesting. The word imagination is, we think of it typically in the positive sense, you know, use your imagination. But in the, in the, as it's found in the Bible, it's actually almost always negative. It's almost always negative. Back in the uh, God looked down in the days of Noah, the days of the Tower of Babel, and the, the imaginations of their, and, uh, and their thoughts were only evil continually. And so the fact is this, before we are Christians, before we are Christians, our minds are under the control of the realm of darkness. Before we're believers, our thoughts are, in fact, the Bible says we are the servants of sin. We're controlled by sin. 
And all through the Bible, you find this idea, and we're actually going to talk about the mind in our message today, but this idea of renewing our mind, having the peace of God in our minds, because the primary place of our spiritual warfare is in the imaginations, in the thought processes, in our thinking. So the primary place of this battle is in our mind. And that's what happens. See, it's not primarily about all these things on the outside and the supernatural manifestation over there and a vision I saw or this or that. It's not about that. It's about if the the devil knows that if he can affect the way that Christians think and the way that they reason, he can gain ground in the battle he's waging. Controlling our thoughts. So, we are instructed. So, that is where The where of the warfare is in the mind, but what is the how of the warfare? What is the how of the warfare? Somebody? Casting down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted. But, yeah, so it's casting down imaginations. Now, there's something else. Let's go back to our parentheses here. And back in verse number 4, We find that there's weapons, but then we also find that there's something else. In order to, this is why we have to do some casting down, because there are what in verse number four? What can be present in our lives and in our minds and our thinking? Strongholds. Strongholds. What do you think that, give me some ideas on strongholds. We know the where, this is taking place in our minds. What do you think these strongholds would be? Any thoughts on strongholds? Okay, so you're you're giving an example of a stronghold. I think that's absolutely right. So you're, so to then kind of unframe that. So then, what is a stronghold in general? I would call it a a, a repetitive wrong thought pattern. Can we go with that? that work? Like somebody alcoholism, socialism, communism. You got more? <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah. Um, but not just that. So the isms would be strongholds. I mean, I think on a on a in in the in the cosmic realm of the battle, you can be sure that that false religions, false philosophies. False um, uh, uh, socioeconomic beliefs, all of these things, all of those isms, like you're saying, would definitely be strongholds, and they can affect our thinking. Humanism, secularism. I added a couple more. See that? So that was the second place I was going to go. So you got the so so. Hey, let me uh, let me go back to you. So on the one hand, we've got the isms that are geopolitical in a sense that affect all of humanity but then there are i think some personal personal strongholds too like yeah so i'll let you pick up your thought and then i'll get some other thoughts soothe ourselves well a baby wants a wubby and a nut you know and um maybe an adult wants a drink right or a smoke yeah. Know, or maybe I'm in a toxic relationship, you know, and I'm getting my needs met. 
Right. And those so, become strongholds. And I'm trying to meet my legitimate needs through illegitimate means, and it becomes a stronghold. That there's an old saying, a man takes a drink, and the drink takes a drink, and the drink takes a man. Sure. And it's a progression that it's a trap. Yeah. So, so false coping mechanisms. What else? Cheryl. All the ways that we look to man for answers and comfort instead of God. Yeah, absolutely. This stops it. How we were brought up. Oh, that's it. Mm. Right. And what has happened is that generationally as Christians, here's what's really cool of, about if you're establishing a Christian home and a Christian family and a Christian legacy, you're letting the Holy Spirit cast down those imaginations and change your family. But are you going to be 100% successful? Not likely. But then hopefully you pass that down to your children who are then going to have a little more transforming of the mind. And you can create a bit of a Christian legacy, but... It's not, we should expect to admit that, you know what, wait a minute, the way I'm thinking about this, is this more because of the way I was raised, or is it more because the gospel has changed my thinking? They're strongholds. Yeah. This is, see, see how much more real this, see how much more real this spiritual warfare gets to our everyday life now? Because what happens is in a, in a way that we can't necessarily understand is the the, the, the forces of evil, they're smart. They understand how Western secular mindsets work. They understand that if they don't even necessarily have to directly influence you, if they can saturate the community with pervasive secularism, do you think that's going to have an effect on the church? Yeah. If they can affect the, the lost culture with with alcoholism, with sexual promiscuity, with all of that. Do you think that's, even, that's going to have an effect? Yeah. It talks about the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And the battle is in the mind, and strongholds are being set up. And what's something else that's unique about strongholds is you have strongholds in your life that I don't have in my life. And I have some in my life that you don't have, but also our community has unique strongholds in and of itself. Cultures have unique strongholds. And those are things as Christians we've got to be ready to do, you know, how, my thinking. So, so the how is we recognize there's strongholds and now we're told to what? Do what with those strongholds? Go ahead. Cast them down. Cast those things down. You know what I think of? You know, there's something very Old Testament that I think of when he says cast down the strongholds. Anybody tracking with me on that? You know, you, you went to Sunday school. You know all those Old Testament stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had a very... <laughs> but I'm thinking of the... Um, do you remember what happened in the nation of Israel? They would start worshiping the false gods, right? And then some prophet or some righteous king, one or the other, would come along and they would go and they'd say, all right, there's a new sheriff in town. And they'd go up to the high places or they'd go wherever any of the idols were and they'd take those idols that the people had been worshiping and they'd just go knock them down. They'd go knock them down. And they'd go on to the, they'd go on to the, wasn't that Gideon? You, know, you should know the story. Gideon, wasn't he the one that went and knocked down or his father or something? I forget the story. Knocking down the idols. 
And that's what we're called to do in spiritual warfare. We're called to knock down the idols. I think, though, we're really good at knocking down other people's idols. Right? But we first have got to take care of the strongholds in our lives. All right. So the primary place of battle is in the mind. Do you think, we're doing this whole series in our, in our main, uh, main message, Christian, living a truly Christian life. Ask yourself this question. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I am a Christian. But do I think like a Christian? Has my thinking been, been affected by, by the gospel of Jesus Christ? So fight biblically. The primary place is the mind. And then now it's more important to know God than the devil. That's kind of a, you'd be like, yeah, well, obviously. But, I, but this whole spiritual warfare, it does us no good to read books and study all this. We've got to get to, well, let me give you some Bible on that. Go to James chapter 4. Go to James chapter 4. Again, what is our place in this? If there's a spiritual warfare going, around, going on around us, what is our place? James 4. Verse number 6, James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace. Isn't that a great verse? I just like that sentence right there. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Now look at the next statement. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But now look at verse number next, verse 8. Draw what? Nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. We resist the, we resist the devil, and we draw nigh to God. Resist the devil, draw nigh to God. So as we're thinking about fighting this biblically, it happens in the mind. It's more important to know God, be close to God, than, than, to, than to be an expert on all things demonic. But now look at this. It's important that we fight with biblical weapons. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Some of you, I wouldn't have to tell you the chapter. You know the chapter. Yeah. We're going to chapter 6. We're going to Ephesians. Chapter number six. Remember, we said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So now in Ephesians 6, he describes it a little bit. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Well, you see, this links us back to 2 Corinthians. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So maybe you've identified a stronghold in your life. Maybe you know. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a family trait. Um, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a stronghold like depression or insecurity. Remember, a stronghold is a, how do we define it? A... A um, how do we do it? A repetitive, wrong pattern of thinking or thought process. 
you know, all these things. If you've identified one, what do you do to knock it down? How do you do it? Well, now we have specific instruction. Put on the armor of God. You put on the armor. Well, for we wrestle not, verse 12, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, now, wherefore, because of all of this, take unto you the whole armor of God. You're like, okay, Paul, you've said this twice already. You're going to, you know, you're setting us up here. What is this armor of God? Well, you need to take it on that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth. All those isms, all those ways that, that humans deal with things, all the deception, all the lies, all the all the, the false teachings of our society, the answer, the weapon of our warfare is the weapon of truth. We have truth. We, we've gotta, but we've got to be... It's one thing to have the weapon. It's another thing to be adept at using the weapon. It's another thing to be, to be skilled in your understanding of the weapon of truth. He says that the the weapon is truth. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth. And then Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? As truth stood before him. This idea of truth, of certainty, this is why Jesus is referred to in John 1.1 as in the beginning was the word. The word, which is the logos. It's the the Greek concept for not just a a word on a page, but reason and rationality and understanding. Jesus, the word of God, this is the truth on which we build our lives. You you have a a wrong thought pattern, a, a, a stronghold. You've got to, don't start in your emotions and how you feel. Start with what you know. And what you know is what God said. And regardless of what you feel, you answer your feelings, you get your feelings in line with the truth of God's word. For example, I'm no good. My life isn't worth living. I'm just so depressed. Listen, I'm not saying it's just a snap of the fingers and everything's okay. But what I am saying is this. Part of the way you're going to deal with that is to say, wait a minute, that is not what God says about me. And I, don't, I may feel like I am nothing, but God says I am something, that I am his. And just believing the truth of God's word. And not believing what, what I feel or what other people say, but believing the truth of God's word. <clears throat> Loins good about with truth, having on the breastplate of, what's that? Righteousness. It's really hard to stand strong when you let all kinds of sin and disobedience into your life. I, I heard a, I knew a testimony recently of a man who's seeking God's guidance in his life. He's looking for something. On the one hand, he said he's been praying about something. And on the other hand, he admitted that he's involved in a, in a very ungodly lifestyle. It's going to be hard to wage spiritual warfare 
if you're not living in righteousness, right? Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe. And then finally, I want you to notice this. Well, 17, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you can meditate on this all later. I'm on my last minute and a half this morning. Verse 18 now, though. All those weapons are defensive weapons except for the sword and except for number 18, which is prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We go to prayer. We go to the Word. We go to prayer. And we do warfare as good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll pick up a little bit, not the same idea, but a similar idea as we think about our hearts and our minds in the in the service in a few minutes. So um, thanks for being here. Hope that's a help. Jot it down. Think about it a little bit more maybe this afternoon. Uh, but let's have a word of prayer right now and we'll ask God to bless the word that's been given. Lord, thank you for the Bible and we thank you, Lord, for the power that you've given us, you're enabling to live this life. Lord, we pray that you would bless this service that we're about to have. We just ask, Lord, that you'd meet with us in a special way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.